say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn you win. Taking your right to self defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn you wet. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into The Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Rome County, Tennessee, and glad to have you along for the ride. Man, the ride is just getting crazier and crazier with each passing day. The level of insanity on the streets is, well, <laughs> it is measurable in ways that we once never thought it possible. I, I come on the air wanting to say, can it get any crazier? Can it get any worse? And, of course, the answer is yes. So experience has taught me not to even ask these questions because we don't normally like the way those questions get answered. Sheesh. Before we dive into anything today, though, do want to give a special shout-out to Ken Crow. Uh, he is, of course, the purveyor of the conservative daily briefing, as well as a conservative activist, campaign manager on multiple campaigns, a uh, contributor to other uh, sources, as well as conservative daily briefing, which you can check out at conservativedailybriefing.com, by the way. But he's also a frequent guest on the show and a good friend. I uh, want to give him a special happy birthday greeting today. It is indeed his birthday. It is October the 30th, the day before Halloween. 
Is there any chance that after Halloween, sanity will start rearing its lovely little face again? I'm doubting it. We're in the thick of we're in the thick of election season, and it has been quite a while since our nation has been quite as divided as it is now. But man, I just just getting crazier by the minute. Of course, I am starting off talking about the break-in at the Pelosi residence. Speaker Nancy Mimi Pelosi has come forth now and broken her silence, if you will, on the attack on her husband, Paul. She did so in a letter that she sent to other members of Congress, and uh, she said that she was heartbroken over the incident. Of course, Paul Pelosi was hospitalized early Friday morning after an assailant had broke into their San Francisco home and beat the 82-year-old businessman with a hammer while, according to reports, was looking for Nancy. The suspect, a David DePape, 42-year-old, had broken into the home in the wee hours of the morning on Friday had demanded to see the lawmaker, a.k.a. Nancy, who was, of course, not in San Francisco at the time. She was in D.C. This is all according to police reports. Paul Pelosi told the intruder that he had to use the bathroom where he made an emergency call to 911, speaking in code to a quick-thinking dispatcher. This according, still, to reports from the police. When the police arrived at the powerful couple's posh Pacific Heights townhome, they witnessed the two men struggling for control of a hammer, which the suspect grabbed and used to beat his victim over the head and body. Paul Pelosi underwent surgery early in Friday, for fractured skull and other injuries, but everything we're being told, he's expected to recover. In fact, they keep saying they expect a full recovery. In this letter that Nancy set out, though, uh, this went out Saturday morning, she said, quote, Yesterday morning, a violent man broke into our family home, demanded to confront me, and brutally attacked my husband, Paul. Our children, our grandchildren, and I are heartbroken and traumatized by the life-threatening attack on our pop. We are grateful for the quick response of law enforcement and emergency services and for the life-saving medical care he is receiving. Please know that the outpouring of prayers and warm wishes from so many in the Congress is a comfort to our family and is helping Paul make progress with his recovery. His condition continues to improve. We are also comforted by the words of the book of Isaiah. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We thank you and pray for the continued safety and well-being of your family. 
So there you have it. Nancy Pelosi's response only directed towards other members of the Congress, and I'm guessing probably not even intended for the Republican members of Congress and the Senate who have condemned the attack, condemned the violence, and expressed well wishes for Paul's speedy recovery, of which I also uh, certainly wish to extend. There are things that Paul Pelosi may very well deserve, and I've heard some people say that this may very well be an act of karma in action. I certainly hope not, but you know they, you know what they say about karma. I'm not in a position to say what he did and did not deserve, but I would like to think that nobody really deserves to be beaten in the head with a hammer. The problem here, besides the fact that there is this action of violence, is all of the lack of consistency in reporting. Now, this isn't that uncommon in the early days of a big breaking story, and people unfortunately now want to be the first one to tell the story. They want to be the first one to, to report on some new piece of information. They want to be the ones to break it. They want to be made famous because, you know, evidently that's what journalists want these days instead of, you know, just reporting the facts and doing the job as we used to consider it. A lot of people have heard the reports, conflicting reports, and they've kind of went to town. Conspiracy theories are abounding. We've had conflicting reports about a third person being on the premise. We've heard confusion about the description of Paul Pelosi and this David guy fighting over the same hammer, but it's been described as if they both had a hammer, but clearly they didn't. There's discussion about Paul Pelosi saying that this David guy was a friend during the uh, 911 call. Of course, that still may have been him trying to use code, trying to express the threat, trying to leave the phone open. I've heard people even question, why was he charging his phone in his bathroom? Well, maybe that's the only place where he's got an outlet that works for what he needs to do. I, people have really been trying to stretch here. It also doesn't help that now there's reports that uh, all 28 security cameras at the Pelosi residence all seem to have been malfunctioning. It's entirely possible that could be coincidental. It's entirely possible that this illegal alien from Canada he migrated into the country, had been a resident in California for a very long time, had been Uber lefty at one point, and then went down the rabbit hole and supposedly became right wing. And that I, I don't know. It's plausible, I suppose, uh, on the outskirts of possible. But typically, if you are so far to the left, it's really hard to imagine you're going to get red pilled to the point that you become a QAnon believer. But when somebody is obviously struggling with mental illness, who knows? What I would like to say is let's stick to the facts and let's wait till the facts actually shake out. The more dangerous aspect here, as opposed to any other conspiracy that's going on out there, 
is the fact that these people clearly, and when I say these people, I mean the mainstream legacy media, they clearly want to make a connection here to conservatism and right-wing violence. You've got Tom Winter uh, of NBC News reporting that there was a third person there. The local police have come back and clarified as of uh, late Saturday, uh, early Sunday, stating no, there, there was not a third person present. Speculation has been fueled by the fact that the pictures of the adjacent door and the glass broken out from one of the windows there by the door, or extra doors, whatever that may be, there's clearly glass on the outside. So that was clearly broken from within. Did this David guy manage to, to be let in, or did he manage to let himself in without much effort? There are no signs at least from what we can see, a forced entry, just violence once he was inside. That, along with the failure of all these security cameras, does raise legitimate questions, and certainly are questions that should be asked. Questions that maybe you would expect the mainstream legacy media to be asking, but they certainly don't seem to be very interested in asking, why is David DePape having such injuries that he had? Again, the police report says that, according to our clarified version, as they followed up, that they ordered both men to release the hammer. Paul Pelosi did immediately, and that gave David the opportunity to then freely wield the hammer against Paul Pelosi, and the police then tackle the Pape. They tackled him. Shooting him probably would have been excessive force. But he clearly was an imminent threat to the homeowner. You cannot tell me that the police department did not know who resided at this residence. And between the two, who would be there? I've heard people making jokes and questioning, why was Paul Pelosi in his underwear? Well, this was at night. He was at home and may very well have been in bed when this ordeal started. Was this guy legitimately going to try to hold him hostage? I've heard all kinds of people insinuating that there may have been something else going on, especially when Paul Pelosi made mention of David being a friend in this phone call. Again, uh, the dispatcher says he, that they clearly believed that Paul was trying to use coded language, something that if he was overheard would not put Mr. DePape in a foul mood to make him more violent. This guy's clearly not well. Okay, that much is just right there. There's, there's no question. Anybody that questions the mental stability of this David DePape is really going out on a limb. That would be a major conspiracy at this point. He was really just an agent. He was there to have 
uh, an elusive uh, escapade. Oh, I've heard all kinds of crazy stuff with this. And the worst part is while I can come up with reasonable explanations and, and offer up something that seems completely legitimately possible, we do live at a time where you can't simply just dismiss it out of hand. Say what you will, however, I still believe that most of the time you need to look at the simplest explanation. Arkham's razor, I think, still applies in a majority of circumstances. This guy was a nut job living nearby. He found out where Nancy Pelosi lived and may have been silly enough to believe that Nancy should be there every night, despite the fact that uh, any reasonable person would know that for large chunks of the year, Nancy is in D.C. or she is traveling uh, to various other locations for whatever is supposed to be going on with her so-called job. I just have a hard time calling what Nancy Pelosi does a job. Forgive me if you're actually a hard-working member of the House of Representatives. Uh, I'd also like to meet you because there's not very many of you and you're worthy of praise. Anyway, the real thing here is this effort to tie this to the midterm elections, which, you know, there may be a tie. Not the kind of tie that the mainstream legacy media is trying to connect. But as we get closer and closer to the midterm elections, it is entirely possible that those who are already prone to violence, that those who are already mentally unstable, those who are feeding off of a constant diet of anger and hate and division that the media is propagating, not just mainstream legacy media, but also social media. It's entirely possible that as we get closer to that, some people are going to be willing to act on those, well, let's say, baser instincts. They're going to be willing to show their overwhelming lack of personal control. Now, the solution to that would and should be, let's provide a little additional security for our elected officials, okay? Because the last thing either side needs is for violence to break out in an uncontrolled fashion and to make anybody a martyr. Nancy Pelosi most likely belongs in prison. She should not be made a martyr. Paul Pelosi may very well deserve to be in jail uh, based on his business practices, insider trading and the like, or even just his issues of staying sober and still operating a motor vehicle. But all that aside, still doesn't uh, <clears throat> still doesn't make it okay to be attacked by a hammer wielding psychopath prison that might be appropriate 30 days in the county jail that might be appropriate it depends on what you can convict him of based on <clears throat> actual crimes that can be proven in a court of law because that's the system we have and that's what we should fight to hold on to. Let's not forget why so many of us conservatives are upset with what's been happening in the first place. It has been a lack of us being able to be heard and listened to when we're expressing our opinion. It's been from a lack of actual due process. It's been from the openness of many 
of the political left operatives who have open disdain for due process, open disdain for the Constitution itself. We must not become that which we hate. We must stand on principles, and we must understand that while fighting fire with fire is the appropriate answer at times, we must be careful exactly how we're conducting that fight, what fire that we are actually using, and understanding that the real problem with using fire in a fight is that when fire gets out of control, it tends to burn everyone. So measured, calculated, intelligent, and never losing sight of our principles. That's how we need to fight this battle if we're going to save the republic. Because if we violate every tenet of the principles of the republic in our effort to save it, then what have we really saved? I'm not going to give you the lecture on, uh, we just were no better than them. But that is something we should keep in mind. The pendulum swings both ways, and the problem is that it goes a little too far in either direction. We should be struggling to keep the pendulum, pendulum swings to a minimum. Don't let them get so far extreme. This has nothing to do with January 6th. But the left is already trying to make every connection. We knew they would. We knew they would be quick to say that this guy is a right-wing nut job, and they were being real, real clear about this QAnon posting. I'm still trying to figure out how a homeless guy who hasn't had a job in a long time has had internet access. Obviously, they'll come up with some explanation in the next few days, but it's just interesting that conveniently it shows up. The real thing here is there's a lot of reports that are changing. That doesn't mean that they're trying to cover things up or trying to change their story. It just means that right now there's still a lot of confusion over what actually happened. This is common. This is normal. Let's not get carried away with conspiracies, at least not just yet. I have a hard time believing that Paul Pelosi would be a sacrificial lamb for some plot by the left. Now, that doesn't mean that he wouldn't be, all right? I'm, I, we do live in a time where we have to accept that anything now is possible. I still believe that they would look for somebody else, somebody who doesn't serve the general purpose of the political left in this country. And right now, the Pelosi's are still good little soldiers for those folks. I also think if it was a plot from the left, they would probably still try to make this look like uh, something where right-wing uh, folks could more easily lash out. Places where they do tend to take law and order a little more seriously. Now, maybe, maybe you can counter if we're going to play this little game. Well, in places like that, they can't control law enforcement, so they can't control the narrative. Let's... Pump the brakes just a second, guys. This story is nuts. And the confusion, there's such a high level. We are now, it is Sunday. This happened early in the morning 
Friday, basically Thursday night from most people's perspective. And the fact that there's still so little clarity about this is a little surprising, but it has a lot to do with the fact that Nancy Pelosi is involved. They're going to be more sensitive to the privacy of her and her family. It's something that they should be sensitive to, regardless of who the victim was. My initial response, very first response was, will this finally wake up the Democrats in places like California and bring them back onto the mindset of being a little bit tougher on crime? Certainly it looks like they plan on throwing the book at this guy. I've even heard some people suggest that uh, we need to be real cautious and make sure this guy doesn't just suddenly have some type of medical complication and, and doesn't survive. Got to keep him alive long enough to let him tell his story. And again, I can't blame anybody for going down that route. If you don't have a few tinfoil hats by now, you're just not paying attention. I've said it a million times, but we cannot jump to these conclusions at first if we really expect to get to the truth. But let's ask the legitimate questions. But let's not forget that not every question is going to have an answer and not every question is as nefarious as we might expect. Good example, some of the questions I've heard. Who's the third person? Like we said, we were getting confirmation even in reports from NBC reporters earlier today, Sunday, October the 30th, that there was a third person, according to police reports. Clarification came after that, that no, there was not. So do we believe the police at first, or do we believe them later? I don't know. Again, it's entirely possible because it didn't seem like it was very precisely communicated what was going on here. Another good question. Why is the back door broke out and not broke in? I've already talked about that. And that is a good question. Now, here, I would offer up a simple solution that during the, the action of a struggle, during an effort to try and make sure that you're convincing Paul Pelosi, that he, in fact, should be listening, it would be easy for somebody to just flat out throw something and smash out a window. Dude had a hammer. Now, I've yet to figure out why anybody's just assuming the guy brought the hammer with him. I have no idea why people are assuming that he was in his underwear from the very second that he walked in the door. It's entirely possible that's something that happened afterwards. It's entirely possible that the hammer may have been at the Pelosi residence that was just something handy that he grabbed. I don't know, but it may not necessarily be as nefarious because there are reasonable explanations of what might happen. Unfortunately, I have been witness to far too many domestic disputes to just assume that uh, people don't just start flinging things out of rage at any given moment and stuff gets broke at that point. You've already made your way in. Why did Pelosi call 911 for a welfare check on himself? He didn't. That much is pretty clear from the obvious. He called, he spoke in code, and because he left the phone open and it was being made clear that he was in some kind of danger, 
it was issued as what is referred to as a priority welfare check, meaning they were going to go check on the people at the residence because, based on the 911 call, they had legitimate reason for concern. I need to check the welfare of the individuals residing there, despite not being told point blank that there was, in fact, a threat. Now, some people want to make a big deal out of this. We need to calm down because, again, this is just the terminology that they use. So, again, let's pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> again, who the heck charges their phone in the bathroom? I've seen people charge their phones in lots of different places. That's not that unusual, especially if you were already down for the night. I don't know the layout of uh, their particular house, but if the bathroom is directly adjacent to the bedroom, it's entirely possible he could have plugged it up there, intending on, once he was done with his nighttime routine, to move it on into the bedroom with him, and just didn't think about it, left it, forgot it there, not expecting another call. I, these are things that happen. Now, a, a good question is, what attacker allows a victim to uh, go to the bathroom? Uh, let's face facts. If that doesn't seem reasonable. But again, we're not talking about a rational person. We're talking about somebody that clearly has some mental issues. If the guy broke in solely to hurt somebody, why was only, why was he only in freaking underwear at the time? Especially in the fall. And again, that's assuming that's how he broke in. I haven't heard any specifics saying that that's how he was dressed when he first broke in. That's just how the police found him. We don't know the timeline exactly for how long he was there before Paul Pelosi was able to make this phone call. So again, we're trying to stretch this out in ways almost as if we want this to be part of some big leftist conspiracy. Here's the, the sad, sad part. It doesn't need to be part of some leftist conspiracy. The media is going to turn it into that anyway. The media is going to rip this and try to make connections to January 6th. They're going to rip this and try to make connections to Donald Trump. We knew that from the instant the story broke, and they have done nothing but double, triple, and quadruple down, even though they don't have any more information, any real information, than we do. They're quick to make accusations that this is the right-wing uh, effort to begin with. If you're an ultra-mega-maga, this is the violence you want to begin with. This is terrible, and this is what the plan is. They're wrong. And it may very well be an instance of, once again, the left accusing the right of what they're actually up to. The key here is, once again, don't take the bait. Don't give them extra fuel to make them look like they're correct. They are not. We are not the violent ones here. Even though they keep trying to come up with this notion, this idea, they want to say, oh, well, you know, uh, it's only the right-wingers that are violent. Uh, really? I'm sorry. I kind of saw this whole summer of love thing break down the summer riots for St. George. Uh, excuse me, but no, guys. 
Leftists have always been more prone to violence than uh, those folks that were on the right side of uh, the political spectrum. And it doesn't matter how far you go along the spectrum, even if you're only slightly left of center, you're definitely more way prone to acting out and engaging in political violence than the folks that are middle to far right on the political spectrum. Now, granted, once you get so far to the right, it starts getting kind of scary again. But the overwhelming majority of Americans who are conservative or just slightly right of center, they're not violent people. They would prefer things not get violent. They look for basic, simple solutions that allow for us to get along. That's why it's always been the role of the conservative and the leftists have taken advantage of it to compromise with our friends, our neighbors, our co-habitors of this great nation. We are always the one who have been impressed upon it. It's been taught that it's incumbent upon us to compromise with these folks. And yet they're the ones that are constantly trying to tell us that our constitution is garbage. They're the ones that are constantly trying to tell us that our founding is garbage, that our nation is worthless, and just like the rest of Western civilization should be torn down because of all those terrible, horrible sins that existed well before Western civilization was ever a dream. And certainly well before the divine inspiration that led to the founding of the United States. These people are enemies of our republic. That doesn't necessarily make them enemies of America, just the America they want to see, the America they believe in, the America where we can be socialist, the America where we can be a full-on direct democracy, the America where they think they went, where they're just trying to get control. One of the most fun things this weekend has been watching Twitter. I've spent more time on Twitter the past few days than I have in the last several years. And I haven't been posting. I've just been watching other people post. I I have retweeted a few because they were too good not to, but I've barely done anything. Seeing the reemergence of conservative voices on Twitter, all I can say is thank you, Elon Musk. The town square, the digital town square that Twitter had become or had hoped to be, once again, is a meeting place for multiple ideas. But uh, just to wrap things up with the Pelosi attack, this is something that we're going to continue to talk about. Uh, We're going to also need to be very much in... A mindset of being on guard. Because we haven't seen the last of violence leading up to the midterm election day, and the left is in desperate, desperate mode of, of mindset of what are we going to lose? Uh, they know they're going to lose everything. They know that they're desperate to, to accuse every conservative of being a election denier and a threat to democracy. Well, again, who has denied elections more than the Democrats over the decades? Now, the most recent one, no. But the left would literally have you believe there are currently 
people accusing me of being an election denier who have denied every election that Democrats have lost for as long as I can remember. So excuse me, but you're not in a position to give up that particular lecture to anyone. By your definition, none of us are worthy of democracy because we're all a threat to democracy. It's a damn good thing we have a constitutional republic instead of a direct democracy, isn't it? See if we can get back to some law and order. Meanwhile, the other tricks of the left, well, we've all seen them before, and they've all been done before. Stay where you're at. I'll be right back after this. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Race baiting, crybabies, and chronic complainers like MSNBC host Tiffany Cross and the most idiotic amongst useful idiots. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook. Recently, MSNBC useful idiot host Tiffany Cross chirped and attacked minority Republican candidates. Recently, she claimed they were not voices of color. She went on with more tired old claims of Republican Party racism, yada, yada, yada. When it comes to being a voice concerning the issues of the day affecting our republic, it behooves us to be voices of good principles rather than voices of any color. For we live by principles, not by shades of color. According to the National Republican Congressional Committee, there are 80 Republican candidates or incumbents on the midterm ballot. 33 are women, 28 are black, 13 are Asian, and 3 are American Indians. Useful idiots like MSNBC host Tiffany Cross told the big line for the powerful white Democrat leftists who are themselves both racist and don't want a strong, decent USA. It is a collectivist, useful idiot leftist who claim that a strong, protected U.S. border amounts to xenophobia and racism, support globalism, abortion, pedophilia, and much more. All meant to destroy all of we the people. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment he is not coming, but that could change. Oh, he comes. I'm going to punch him out. This is my moment. I've been waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. 
and they're not making a secret of it. The right-wing-controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. Just think, if that happens, the 2024 presidential election could be decided not by the popular vote or even by the anachronistic electoral college, but by state legislatures, many of them Republican-controlled. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go. All right. I know I'm already getting some pushback on uh, my comments about not jumping to conclusions on this and not pushing so far down the rabbit hole for conspiracy theories. But, guys, I I think the real issue is going to be how the media tries to twist this. And if we fall into this trap, then... It's our own freaking fault, and we need to be more careful about it. We need to stay focused. We need to understand that it doesn't serve conservatives any any way at all for Pelosi to be attacked in his home, for Nancy to be attacked physically. It does serve conservatism for Nancy Pelosi to be revealed for who she actually is just like it also behooves conservatism for us to continue to push forward in the midterm elections to take both the House and the Senate and to make sure that we do not, do not allow Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. to receive a second term or anyone that the Democrats decide to put up in his place, mostly because we have more pressing concerns. For example, Don Baer, Democratic uh, representative from the state of Virginia, news broke, of course, that he had to fire one of his aides, who allegedly has ties to the Chinese embassy. This, of course, was exposed, according to a brand new report. National Review reported this past Friday that Barbara Hamlet, a scheduler for Baer, was no longer in the congressman's office after investigations by the House Sergeant-at-Arms and Bear's office. The investigations found that Hamlet had been setting up meetings between congressional offices and the Chinese embassy. Congressman Bear was totally unaware of these activities prior to being contacted by the House Sergeant-at-Arms, according to the Deputy Chief of Staff for Bear's office. This was reported by National Review as well. Uh, Continuing to quote him, 
As soon as he learned of them, he followed every directive he was given by security officials. The staffer in question is no longer employed by the office of Congressman Baer. Now, according to this uh, spokesperson, Baer was deeply upset about the revelations and that the congressman remained resolute in his goal to protect the U.S. from threats from China. Isn't it funny how many Democrats are suddenly concerned about China now that they've realized that the American people are concerned about China? Now, I can't quantify whether this particular member of the House was aware or not. But the fact that, once again, the Chinese managed to infiltrate in any fashion whatsoever members of the House or the Senate, their offices, their staff, it means that they are gaining access to important information, and in some cases, most likely, classified data. Now, that doesn't seem to be what was happening here, but can we know with any level of certainty that some type of classified information wasn't put at risk. This particular staffer seemed to just be trying to put together meetings between the embassy and members of the House, meetings that these people probably should not be having, period. What purpose is there for a member of the House of Representatives to go meet with representatives at the Chinese embassy? It is not the role of the legislative branch to be engaging in communication with a foreign government. That's something that goes into the uh, preview of the executive branch. It's the State Department that's supposed to be handling this, and it is the Senate and the House that are supposed to have certain levels of oversight, making certain that uh, they're not breaching their constructed limitations put in place by the Constitution, but they're not supposed to be engaging themselves. That's why it's almost always uh, political showmanship and gamesmanship when you see these uh, folks going on fact-finding missions. Uh, technically, you can make the argument that that's a overstep of their constitutional authority. If they leave the country to go visit someplace so that they can investigate something that the State Department's supposed to be doing, well, there's a clear violation of the separation of powers, right? Well, see, that's just it. Everybody wants to interpret things, and they want a liberal interpretation, and they want to be able to twist and manipulate, and they want to even make the claim that the Constitution is a living, breathing document, not set in stone, but meant to change its meaning as the language changes and as our role in the world changes. And that's part of the most dangerous aspect of the republic that we live in. You see, our Constitution is a fine document. But if you stretch the meanings and try and dumb down the population, you eventually end up believing that a politician can do whatever they say they can do. You start believing that the President of the United States has the authority to forgive student loan debt. You start believing that the Speaker of the House uh, has the authority to visit Taiwan and, and make policy. You start believing every last little lie they tell you, instead of simply 
looking at the Constitution and acknowledging the fact that while there are aspects that we may not like, given one particular issue or another, that it was built and designed to offer up the best possible security for individual liberty of every citizen living here and all those non-citizens who come here legally. It wasn't meant to offer a bunch of special privileges to non-citizens who didn't come here legally. And it certainly isn't designed to give every advantage to our enemies. But we've twisted it to the point that now our enemies can take advantage of that. We've twisted it to the point that the political operatives who want to garner additional extra constitutional power can try and twist the meanings and give a majority of Americans who've been dumbed down to the point of not knowing the difference, not knowing better, to just go along thinking that, well, that's the way they've been doing it. That must be the way to... Why would they keep saying it if it wasn't so? You know how many times I've heard lefties give that excuse, uh, uneducated lefties on social media, when they are faced with the talking point gang, when you have every member of the media and every member of the House and the Senate that has a D at the end of their name saying and spouting off the exact same talking point, it convinces them it must be true because they wouldn't all be saying it. Except that's exactly what you do when you have to tell a lie. You get everybody on your side on board. You get them all on the same side. And that's why it's so identical. If you've ever noticed conservatives, while we do have certain talking points, we often express it in different ways. It's not completely identical. And it's because we're coming from a position of simply telling the truth. When the truth is a talking point, you don't typically have to make sure everyone gets the same memo. You don't typically have to make sure that everyone is using the exact same verbiage. When you are trying to convince people of an untruth, that's when you have to make sure that the message is uniform, that the verbiage is consistent, because otherwise there's a small pinprick hole in the illusion which can be ripped open far easier than a unified message, false as it may be. I've been in multiple discussions with folks that are only just slightly left of center, because anybody that's more than just slightly left of center, they won't engage in legitimate conversation anymore. So I want to give a hat tip to those who actually do. There's not enough of you guys, by the way, need to be out there doing the same thing that I'm doing right now, trying to convince you to engage in conversation so that maybe we can see through the uh, bovine excrement that's being spread out like fertilizer from both sides. It's not a just strictly Democrat uh, phenomenon here. But when it comes to conservatism, that's not the same thing as me defending the Republican Party. The problem is, uh, where most of the legitimate conservatives are, they have to go Republican too. So, yeah, there are times when I'm going to tell you that the Republican option is usually still the better option, because normally it is. It's been that way for a bit now. That still doesn't mean I'm happy with the options on the table. I want true conservatism. I want true uh, constitutionalism. I want true liberty. I want you to be free 
and enjoying the blessings of liberty as God had intended it. And I want that to be secured for all U.S. citizens and for those non-citizens who come here legally. I want you to be able to pursue the same things, and hopefully at some point you'll decide you want to become an American citizen too, that you love the American dream enough that that's what you want to be a part of. But we've got to salvage the republic right now before any of that means anything. There's Chinese spies everywhere. And just like with this Paul Pelosi break-in story, I, I wish I could simply just say, okay, this representative found out that there was somebody working for the Chinese embassy in his office, and they fired this person quickly. But instead, we have to live in a time where we're thinking, well, like a lot of other Democrats, maybe he simply realized that, oh crap, Republicans are going to have control of the House and the Senate very soon. And when they start their investigations, they're going to find this out. And if, if I left this person in the place they're at, it's going to take me down with them. So it's a cover your own backside situation. I don't think it's wrong that that's literally the first response I had to that story. Now, I would like to think that that's just because I've become cynical and that this guy actually did cut this scheduler loose because he was doing the right thing. I would love to be able to believe that. I would love to be able to just sit here and tell you this is how it is because it's how it should be. But just because it's how it should be, we know that doesn't make it the way it is. So we don't know. Now, I don't want to condemn the representative for doing the right thing. And I hate that we have to put into question what his true motivations were for doing it. But that's where we are now. It's completely reasonable to ask the questions. But let's not start building houses of cards on a foundation that's quicksand. Let's look for the truth and wait for the facts to come forth. That used to be the first rule of journalism. Used to be the first rule. I've been burned on this show myself when I have jumped to conclusions before, too, based on what we've seen. And then as the facts come out, I find myself having to say I was wrong. And you know what? I'm willing to do that. Most of us should be willing to do that. We know that the left never will, especially the political class. They just expect you to be dumb enough that you're either going to forget it or you're going to believe they're gaslighting or you're going to believe them when they just flat out tell you the things that they've said in the past they never said. We never said that. We never said any of that. Why would you think that we said any of those things? That is just crazy. Let me play the supercut for you again. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Getting those shots out for 5 to 11-year-olds is going to provide a lot of comfort to American families. Horses barely running them over, people being strapped. A horrific video of the CBP officers on, horse, on horses using brutal and inappropriate measures against innocent people. We have... A secure border. The border is, in fact, secure. The border is closed. The border is secure. The border is secure. The border is closed. We've been unequivocal in that. On the issue of Afghanistan. And to that end, we have seen a successful drawdown of the embassy. I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in, in Georgia. This is all about keeping working folks in 
ordinary folks that I grew up with from being able to vote. The reconciliation package would cost zero dollars. The cost of these bills in terms of adding to the deficit is zero. Some have expressed publicly that they're not comfortable with the 3.5, even though zero costs zero dollars. Zero, zero, zero. This bill is fully paid for and will not raise taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 a year. Let me say that again, be crystal clear. No one making less than $400,000 a year will pay a single additional penny in tax for all these things that were in the in, in the Build Back Better plan. If you're a husband and wife, school teacher, and a cop, you're paying at a higher rate than the average person making a billion dollars a year is. My plans do not add to inflationary pressure. The Build Back Better agenda will help reduce inflation, will help cut costs for the American people. If we pass the other two things I'm trying to get done, we will, in fact, reduce inflation. Inflation is going to come down next year. Inflation will come down next year. These inflation uh, rises will be transitory, that they will come back down next year. These are all things that these people have said within the last two years, some of them within the last two months. And yet going into the midterm elections now, they are actively out there saying, we never said these things. These things were never said by us. We've got the receipts. I'm going to keep playing this supercut all the way up until past the next election cycle, because we need to be reminded of how stupid they think we are. And right now, I'm including all of us, including those of you who tend to vote Democrat, because those are the people that they really think are the dumbest. And as much as I hate to say it, because I don't like engaging in actual name calling of individuals that aren't actively involved with something stupid, but you guys keep voting for these people. This is what they think of you. Wake up. Wake up. The Chinese spies are everywhere. All right, uh, let's do the hourly reset just to make things easier for Doug for the purposes of rebroadcasting on WCET in Columbia, South Carolina, and on the last frequency. Uh, podcast listeners, don't go anywhere. And uh, hey, if you're listening on the radio stations, you don't go anywhere either. Hour number two will be up next. From a blue state clan Taught to praise the little man Told that union saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees They said their vows he couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She 
couldn't say how, she couldn't say why. He was different in her eyes. Saw the musical, a happy little cabin in the west. They homeschool. You're listening to Tap into the Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this, as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. I keep forgetting I'm president. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are still going strong. Welcome to the second hour of today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Don't have to do the full reset uh, at the moment because not uh, re- not being rebroadcast on radio stations that only do one hour at a time. So, uh, you know, we just get to flow right back into hour number two. If you're listening to the podcast, you also... Uh, you're not really getting a break at all, just going right through. But I would ask you, especially if you're listening to one of the sources where the podcast is monetized, uh, please do listen to the ads, even the ones at the very end. Podcast listeners do get some bonus material at the end of most broadcasts that uh, gets cut off uh, from the rebroadcast. So I'll uh, play a few extra segments here and there. and uh, Yeah, it's stuff that you typically heard usually, but it's still, it's nice bonus stuff. If you've listened that long, you might as well hear those last uh, commercials as well. It really does help the show, and it helps me, and I would appreciate it. It's not really costing you anything, so uh, if you don't mind, I, I would appreciate it. All right, let's get back into the action. And like I said before, this is the Sunday broadcast. You may have noticed by now we're not having our conversation with Ron Edwards. Uh, Ron was uh, busy uh, today. He uh, was recording an interview for his show, and uh, our schedules would not uh, uh, interact to get back together. Hopefully, uh, with a little bit of luck, we can make something happen a little later this week and uh, still spend some time with him before it's all said and done. But I've also got a few other things up in the air, so I'm not real sure uh, if we'll be able to make that happen. Uh, So at any rate, we'll just see how things play out this week, but I certainly hope we get a chance to. Uh, It is October 30th, meaning it's the day before All Hallows' Eve. And uh, for those of you who think it's A dark, satanic holiday. Well, okay, technically you're right. But at the same time, we have turned it into something that's a little lighter and a little more fun. And I think it's okay to celebrate Halloween in certain ways. Uh, Obviously, non-demonic worshipping kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, if you're just dressing up, having some fun, and going out and getting some candy... That's not so bad, guys, seriously. All right, anyway, uh, you know, I, I have a ton of spooky sound effects and Halloween-type stuff, but I, I just I didn't get any of that loaded in. Ordinarily, I'd be putting that into the, uh, the breaks and the mid-stuff, but I just didn't get those loaded up. I still have been running around trying to get all this other stuff done, including uh, trying to make sure that 
Uh, I've got uh, important family stuff squared away, and man, it's just getting harder and harder to make a living and take care of the kids because of Biden inflation. Something that I know you guys know a lot about. And in fact, the next story I want to talk about is how Joe Biden not only continues to lie, but that his lies keep getting bigger and bigger. In fact, his latest lie about the Inflation Reduction Act, <laughs> like that's a real thing, but it's so big that even Twitter flagged it. And, you know, we keep being told that Elon hasn't changed anything yet, but I can tell you, even just based on the few minutes that, uh, well, not a few minutes, a few things that I've seen, things have already changed drastically at Twitter. If this isn't Elon's doing, then it means it's the few folks that are still working there that do not want to be fired. So they're trying to make sure that they don't get fired by trying to do the right thing now. A lot like I suggested might have been a real thing going on with Representative Baer. Uh, are you really cutting loose this person working for the Chinese embassy because they're working for the Chinese embassy? Or are you cutting them loose because you're afraid of what a Republican investigation might discover if it was to be uncovered later? Which is it going to be? I don't know. Could be the same thing. But I've seen a lot of folks talking about how suddenly they have uh, a whole lot more followers showing up, just people following them. And even I've seen a, a small influx and an increase in folks following me on Twitter. Uh, so, hey, welcome to the uh, <laughs> welcome to the Tap into the Truth family, guys. Uh, glad to have you along for the ride, too. Hope you'll be listening to the show. I don't know. Uh, it's a lot of what I tweet is usually just promotions for the show. But uh, anyway, back to this Biden thing. Biden's latest little boast about his signature legislation, the so-called misnomered Inflation Reduction Act, well, it was such a stretch that even the fine folks over at Twitter had to flag the claim, suggesting that followers be made aware of additional context. Now, I'm only used to seeing that over on Facebook when I'm trying to share a meme that's supposed to be a joke, and there's obviously no sense of humor in the content moderators over there. Anyway, with just over a week to go until the midterm elections, Biden has made a handful of campaign stops. Most Democrats really want to stay as far away from him as possible. They don't want to be connected with him and his failures on foreign policy and his failures in domestic policy. But he has been out there some. He's made a handful of stops for Democratic candidates around the country. And he spent his time on social media, uh, or someone uh, operating his account at any rate, has spent their time on social media attacking Republicans as ultra-maga extremists or touting the <clears throat> accomplishments in an effort to push members of his party across the finish line. You know, the typical things that they do. I'll tell you one of my favorite moments of the weekend was Obama actually doing the same thing. And in the middle of one of his speeches, a uh, F. Joe Biden chant broke out. And for a minute, 
Obama tried to push back on that just a smidge, and it just got worse, so he eventually stopped, and they kind of let it die down on its own. At any rate, according to Twitter, uh, Biden's Friday attempt to do these same things on social media, well, it crossed a line, prompted the platform to flag his tweet. Uh, Biden tweeted out, or I'm sorry, Biden's account tweeted out. I think that's an important distinction. I don't know that Biden does his own tweeting. I don't know that he's capable of tweeting. He doesn't seem like a Twitter-savvy kind of guy. Now, I know for a fact, and I'm not saying this is an ageist thing. I think it's a matter of personality. I mean, you look at uh, Donald Trump, who's not much younger than Joe Biden, but certainly looks and acts a lot younger than Joe Biden. We know how much he loved Twitter back in the day. He still says he, he's made a few tweets here and there, or at least it looks like someone on his account has. But he keeps saying he's not coming back to Twitter. In fact, he was uh, making comments just, I think it might have been yesterday, that he doesn't believe Twitter can be successful without him and that he likes True Social better. Well, I mean, I'm sure he does, because everybody knows True Social is his. So, you know, good luck with that. And I, I don't have a problem with True Social. It's an extra platform with uh, relatively like-minded folks, so I get to share stuff. And of course, Donald Trump's being Donald Trump when he says that. But uh, anyway, uh, the point being is Biden is a completely different animal. I don't think that even back when he still had most of his cognitive capability and he was just, uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to say the first thing that came to mind, but uh, back when he was just a pompous jack, uh, even then he wasn't the kind of guy that would take him to Twitter. I just don't say it. So I really believe it's somebody else, one of his handlers, somebody in the campaign, somebody uh, working in the communications office, uh, running the account on his behalf, clearly. But anyway, whoever tweeted it, this is what they said. Quoting now, let me give you the facts. Okay, that's the first clue that you're not going to hear any truth. I'm gonna, uh, No joke. I'm not kidding. Uh, I'm not being facetious. Let me give you the facts. Well, we probably need to add that to it. Anyway, in 2020, 55 corporations made $40 billion, and they paid zero in federal taxes. My Inflation Reduction Act puts an end to this. Does it, Joe? I mean, that's the question. Anyway, the flag, which appeared immediately below the tweet on the platform, included context added by readers because, quote, they thought people might want to know. <laughs> now, that's something I think is, I, I'm not sure if that is intended to be as condescending as it comes across. <laughs> but when it gets attached to a Joe Biden tweet, it's just something feels deliciously satisfying about it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just being uh, a little vindictive, given how the left has treated every conservative, and even other leftists who just disagreed with them on a single point 
over the course of the last, I don't know, five years or so, a little longer, but it's gotten worse in the last five years. Anyway, it says readers added context they thought people might want to know. The Inflation Reduction Act imposed a minimum tax on corporations with average pre-tax earnings greater than $1 billion. Had a link to Reuters and also had a, a link to uh, Congressional Budget Office. Next statement that's part of it. Out of the 55 corporations the tweet references, only 14 had earnings greater than $1 billion and would be eligible under Biden's tax law. And then there's links to the Washington Post and a link to ITEP.org. And then it asks you, do you find this helpful? And then asks you to rate it. Now, again, I find that terribly condescending for the most part. And I really, really don't like the idea of these things being flagged. I just, it's just something that feels like poetic justice on this one. Quoting here, the Inflation Reduction Act imposed a minimum tax on corporations with average pre-tax earnings greater than a billion dollars. They were citing the Washington Post when they said that of the 55 corporations that he talked about, only 14 actually qualified. And then after that, we have another quote here saying that Elon buys Twitter and now they're fact-checking liberals. Finally, I love it. Army Rangers veteran and former U.S. Senate candidate Sean Purnell. That was the response that he added. And again, it's been fun watching Twitter all weekend. I've had the most fun on Twitter that I have ever had. I've spent more time on Twitter in the last two days than I have in the last five years. Another reaction, OMG, that fact-checked Biden. It's like we've stepped into an alternate universe. That from uh, Brendan Chapman. And there are more. Uh, several more, in fact. So many more really great tweets and retweets and reactions that I could do a freaking 10-hour show on them. And, and the problem there is by the time I got through the first couple of hours, there would be another 10 hours worth of material that I have to add on. So if you're not on Twitter, you guys are missing a good time for conservatives. I don't know how long it's going to last. So I highly recommend you get in on the fun while it's there. I would like to think it's going to stand. But this goes back to the left's attempt, the mainstream legacy media in particular's attempt to tie this attack on the Pelosi House to conservative political violence. Because they're also trying to tie now Twitter becoming a true free speech platform as a part of the problem, too. Because, you know, obviously Elon Musk is a fascist. How dare? Only a fascist could possibly force free speech on the American public. Or in this case, uh, the public in general, wherever you're engaging in Twitter. Hasn't stopped these nut jobs from pushing and pushing, but here's the thing. This, this is a good illustration of Twitter now becoming the opposite of what we saw them before the presidential election last go around.
We're not seeing a suppression of a news story. We're seeing misinformation being checked. Now, we got plenty of things to be concerned about. The last broadcast, I was talking to you about this leaked document from an FBI whistleblower where they're including misinformation and disinformation as part of political criminality. If the FBI is really looking to do that, they're coming hard after every conservative in the country. And anybody who has the gumption or nerve to stand up for free speech, anybody who's got the gumption or nerve to stand up and say, this looks suspicious, maybe we should do some type of recount or check on the validity of this outcome, well, then we're instantly a criminal. That's not how this system is supposed to work, and they know it, but they're running out of running out of options. They're, they're hard, hard work. The effort they've put in for, for decades now, it's, it's all slipping through their fingers. The American people are slowly starting to take back this country away from these would-be tyrants. The American people are in a unique position to be able to do exactly that, and we have to do that. And again, Thank you, Elon Musk, for providing another platform that now truth is going to be allowed to exist. Not just truth, but opposing viewpoints are going to be allowed to, to be there side by side, where context is going to be allowed to be added to political spin. What the Biden tweet said is protected speech. Doesn't make it truthful doesn't make it accurate. You can tell the truth with a certain lack of precision, and it can be very misleading. This actually would fit the bill of the FBI whistleblower's uh, documentation of what misinformation would be. Or maybe this would be disinformation. I don't remember their definitions to write off without looking back at it. I think the misinformation they claimed was if it was unintentional. In other words, you didn't know it was a lie. Um, whoever wrote this on Biden's account knew it was crafted specifically to be misleading. They took as much truth as they could, because, you know, that's what makes it a believable lie. So it makes it harder for folks to deny, and you have to actually understand what they're talking about and be well-informed on the topic before you can see through the obvious spin. But they took the truth, they spun it, they framed it, and they put it in a certain consumable package where they didn't lie, but it's still intentionally misleading because they want you to believe they've done something and accomplished something that they didn't. They want you to believe that Joe Biden is actually competent, which I don't know that there's too many people left that can buy into that. But there's a reason why the Democratic Party likes Biden. There's a reason why the Democratic Party wants everyone in Pennsylvania to vote for Fetterman. They want people that aren't cognitively capable of questioning them. They want malleable little people to, to do their bidding. Almost every position that Joe Biden has taken as the chief executive still kind of burns in my mouth if I call him the president. But as the chief executive, every position he's taken is almost in stark contrast 
to where he's been during his career as a senator. In fact, some of them are drastic changes from the, his first couple of years as vice president. When you look at where he's been, what he's believed in, it's not just a case of where the political winds have gone. It's also a case of he just does what he's told now. Now, um, in a lot of ways, I don't think he's nearly as bad as they let on on occasion. But I do believe that he's not willing to stand up uh, against whatever he's being told. I do believe that he's just a yes man, and unfortunately, he is slipping mentally. He is sliding into that dark abyss of dementia. And if I don't think about what a jack wagon he was in his younger days, it's easy to feel bad for him. Fetterman kind of falls into the same thing. If I don't think about what a ridiculous socialist jerk this guy was before he had a stroke, it's easy to feel bad for him. And I, I do hope that he recovers from the stroke. Don't get me wrong. I do hope that Paul Pelosi fully recovers from this attack. I, I do hope that justice is served in all of these situations. But the second that Fetterman had his stroke, the Democratic Party should have just said, hey, look, guy, we, we know you probably still want to go and we don't want to just take this away from you, but you should take care of yourself and you should recover and you should get better first. Let us run somebody else who has a realistic chance of running a real campaign so that we can win what should be an easy election for us. It's what they should have done. And if Fetterman wasn't completely and totally selfish and in this for the wrong reasons, he would have done it anyway. He would have stepped back. He, he would have made those concessions. He would have had somebody give that speech for him because he would not be in front of the cameras right now. Everybody wants to say, well, how brave and bold he was for, for meeting uh, Dr. Oz in this ridiculous farce of a debate. There's a reason why I haven't talked much about it, because first of all, it's been overcovered everywhere. You've been oversaturated with it. You know the high points. You know the low points. I don't have to go into any of it. But one thing was made clear. He's not... He's not capable of doing the job of a senator, period. He's not there, and he may be years away from being there. The The saddest part is he may never get back there. Now, that's not what I'm rooting for. I don't want to sound like I'm ghoulishly saying, Ooh, Fetterman is gone. Now, not only does he look like Uncle Fester, but now he sounds like him. That's not what I'm doing here. And sadly, I had heard some people take that tack. And I must very, very... <sighs> I have to admit, to my shame, I have chuckled at a few of those comments. Because they presented it in very humorous ways. But, in full honesty... 
It's, it's not something that I revel in. It's not something I feel good about, and I don't think very many people do. There's a few exceptions out there that I'm sure really do. And, and again, I've heard the whole karma argument for all that. That's, it's not something that should be going on because the Democrats, if they didn't want someone that was just going to do what they were told, they would have taken steps. They are still an entity that controls its own inner workings. They're a club, for lack of a better word, and it's a club that has its guidelines and its bylaws and its rules, and they completely, totally have the power and authority to withdraw their support of a nominee, to change who their nominee is at any point in time. Now, that doesn't mean that they just should, especially since they spend lots and lots of taxpayer-funded uh, money to go perform elections so that supposedly everybody that would vote for them gets a say in who the party puts up as their nominee. At the end of the day, the party is completely within its rights to totally ignore the election results and offer up, you know, to say, screw the primaries, that's not who we want to run, here's who we are going to run. Instead, they'd rather you believe you had a say in it and uh, pretend like superdelegates is a thing that exists and that that's really still operating within the best interest of the party and serving the voters. And the superdelegates are elected by the voters, too, So, which isn't necessarily true in most situations either, but they tell you it is. And so there you are. Right? Joe Biden has been able to tell you this story, and the mainstream legacy media has just lapped it up and tried to convince you it's true. And every social media site that's controlled by the left, by political leftists, have went right along with it and have banned people like me, although they've not actually banned me specifically, uh, but People like me, people like Ron Edwards, people like Anya Bellis, people like uh, Don Smith, uh, people like Ron Eccles, and, and Ron Eccles, man, I'm glad to see they're coming back strong over there. Keep up the good work, Rod. Uh, yeah, it's, they continue with this craziness. And to see this finally called out, to see truth and fact-checking and the conversation returning to Twitter, it's such a nice thing. If we can get more of that, if we can actually have fact checkers start working as, you know, somebody that's checking the facts, if you're actually going to add context to statements, doing it to both sides, returning a fair and even playing field, well, the left's going to lose their minds. They're going to make all kinds of threats like they're doing at Twitter right now. But at the end of the day, you're not going to have to worry about the left near as much. Because most Americans aren't these extremists. Most Americans that see themselves as being liberals actually are liberals. Not political leftists, not far-left extremists, not rainbow-colored warriors who think it's their role to try and gender the kids and trans the kids and beat down old men in the streets because they dared to wear a, a red baseball cap regardless of what was written on it, if anything was written on it. 
most Americans simply want to be told the truth. That's a big part of what's biting the Democratic Party in the backside right now. They have, for the first time, been told such large lies, so blatantly huge lies, and they are still seeing, once it's obvious it's a lie, that they're still expected to believe these liars, that finally some of them are starting to realize that this is what they've been doing to them for a long time. I honestly think that overturning Roe v. Wade ended up being a good thing uh, for the political side of it at this point in time, too, because that also has woken up a lot of these uber-lefty kids who are buying into the fact that, oh, no, you're taking our rights away. We've got to fight, fight, fight. Because they were mistakenly under the idea that if Roe v. Wade was overturned, it would automatically make abortion illegal everywhere. We heard people say that. They honestly thought that to be the case. And even when people like me and every other conservative commentator that you have heard of had been saying before the overturn that it's actually just going to return it back to the states. And at the state level, you got a much bigger chance of making a bigger impact. When we were telling them that, they didn't want to believe us because that's not what they were being told. But then they found out that we were the ones being honest with them and that the people they'd been listening to had not been. That went a long way. That initial response, that knee-jerk response they had when it first happened, they were protesting in front of the justices' houses uh, illegally, I might add. Not that uh, any law enforcement stepped in to do anything about it. There was an assassination attempt on Kavanaugh. Not that uh, anybody's really wanted to talk about or reminded anybody about that. This isn't a tit-for-tat thing. This is a statement that if we wanted to go down a list for all those folks out there trying to convince you that only the right wing, only conservatives, only people on the right side of the political spectrum have problems with political violence, if we wanted to go down a list and do little check marks, yeah, you're going to find some folks that thought they were standing up for principles of the right, but you're going to find a much, much longer list of folks that were lefties. And you don't have to go very far back to have a 3 to 1, a 5 to 1, an 8 to 1 ratio. And the thing is, the further you go back, the larger that ratio gets. And that too is another one of those little lies that now some of these folks are starting to realize because now they are starting to fact check what they're being told. Now, they're not happy with the results, and some of them are wanting to go ahead and bury their head in the sand. But again, most Americans, even if they typically vote for Democrats, they don't believe in transing the kids. They don't believe in taking parental rights away just because the parents want to, you know, be parents. They don't believe that the government should be telling people what to do in a grand and large-scale level. 
There's a reason why most Americans don't think that. It's because that's what America was founded on, that we were free and we were the sovereigns and that our government was formed to protect our liberty, not to try and quell it, not to try to take it away. It's their job to protect it. But that's not what they've been doing. This happening has really led to a lot of these folks on the left starting to recognize that that walkaway movement that started a few years back, maybe they were right. We see more people now starting to challenge the squad. We have these uber-lefty anti-war folks that were giving uh, Ilhan Omar what for the other day. And, of course, Ilhan Omar is all like, well, check my voting record. Uh, I'm anti-war. Sending uh, continuous billions of dollars in aid to Ukraine is not anti-war. Now, I don't want to see the people of Ukraine suffer. I don't. I definitely don't want to see Vladimir Putin just run in and take whatever it is he wants. I, I want there to be legitimate pushback. I want there to be a line in the sand, and I want there to be a line that even if he tries to cross it, he can't because we smack him down. I want those things to exist, but at the same time, there must be balance. If you're going to try diplomacy, then let's try actual diplomacy. If you're going to do diplomacy, let's do it. But let's not string along Ukraine, and let's not turn it in into a great opportunity for money laundering, which is pretty much what it is at this point. Let's actually either give them the help they need to win or get out of the way and stop prolonging the loss of lives, innocent lives, in Ukraine. Because one of two things is going to have to happen. And if we keep playing the same game we are now, there's an excellent chance that some form of nuclear attack occurs. Whether it's tactical nukes or dirty bombs or whatever else our current intel is warning is a possibility. The longer this is drug out, the more plausible that becomes a reality. If you're really anti-war, you don't just continue giving them just enough to, to stay in the fight. You either give them enough to go ahead and win, or you stop. And you say, sorry guys, you're on your own. Good luck. We're rooting for you. But we're not sending any more money. And we're not sending any more weapons. It's up to you now. I just, I don't think they understand the left wants to send money there, not because they're pro-war, but because war is a nice cover. It's a really nice cover. Ukraine has become money laundering. I support the people of Ukraine. I do. I really do. But I do not support just continuously sending more and more of our taxpayer dollars when we don't have when we don't have the finances to take care of what we need to take care of here at home. Alright, let's take that mid-hour break. I ran a little long and I'm starting to just list aimlessly off of the topic. 
You guys stay where you're at. I'll be right back. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. I recently heard yet another black leftist complaining about certain people not making headway in American society. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. After hearing the black leftist complaining about not making headway in the United States, the thought immediately occurred to me that either the individual either didn't know nothing and got that mixed up or was a trained activist set out to spread a false negative narrative. Much like professional complainers like Al Sharpton, LeBron James, Oprah Winfrey, Senator Raphael Warlock, etc. None of those leftists have ever encouraged black Americans to break free from the family-destroying policies their forebearers were saddled with by demonic Democrat Party racists who hooked up with many black females and convinced them to undermine their good men, destroy their families, discourage or simply not teach their sons about life or encourage them to seek and secure a better life for themselves. If blacks or anyone wants to experience a better life, they must first be better people, not despise small beginnings, and they must understand that their unalienable rights come from God, not zaddy or big government. This final thought, seek to build your life, not destroy the lives of others. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Ours is the first revolution in the history of mankind that truly reversed the course of government and with three little words. We, the people. We, the people, tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We, the people, are the drivers. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our constitution is a document in which we the people tell the government what it is allowed to do. We the people are free. There's a clear cause and effect here that is as neat and predictable as a law of physics. As government expands, liberty contracts. Constitutional grounds. The hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase. And to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. I, I do not view abortion as a, uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions.
You're listening to Tap into the Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine. Yeah, it's it's true. We would just all be fine if, uh, well, if they would leave their progress uh, out of our lives. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we go into this final topic, I would very much like to invite you, if you are listening to the podcast, to uh, check out the show description. You'll see some links there. If you'll click on those links, not only will you be led to some really great places, but they'll know that I'm the one that sent you. Now, you might be wondering why that would matter to you, and, you know, maybe it doesn't. But if you like this show enough that you've actually listened to it to this point, and I'm hoping you're enjoying it well enough, at least a majority of the broadcast, then maybe you'll want to help support the show. And in this case, we've got links to My Patriot Supply and Patriot Depot and Hero Soap and uh, a few other places. I'd invite you to come visit me over at Locals and uh, join the Tap into the Truth community there. Uh, You'll see links to all kinds of stuff. And by virtue of going to some of these vendors and making purchases, like my Patriot Supply, who can't use an emergency supply of food right now, I'm I'm telling you, it's going to be handy, guys. Um, The fact that you can help support the show and help keep me on the air broadcasting would be, well, it would be great. I'd appreciate it. Okay, that's that's really all I got to say about that. So if it's something you want to get anyway, and you don't mind supporting the show, if you use those links, well, there you go. Now, if you're listening on WCET Radio in Columbia, South Carolina, or if you're listening over on the last frequency, well, then you're not going to see my show description. But hey, you know what? There's an easy solution there. Come visit me over at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, intothetruth.com. And when you land on that homepage, you can scroll down past the recent guest section, and you'll see banners and buttons and links there that you can click that will accomplish the same thing. And you can also visit the uh, sponsors and friends of the show page, and you'll find links to some other places there as well, including companies like Beanstalk and uh, the Black Bread Company, and uh, you know, folks like that, uh, Honey Fund. Those are companies that I have a small equity stake in. It's very small, not even enough that I'm legally required to uh, inform you. But hey, I figured might as well be honest about it. So I do have some financial gain that would come from uh, you utilizing those services or being customers of those companies. So by all means, you can uh, check me out there, and I would appreciate it. Now, this last story for today that we're going to get into, it's kind of different in so much that it's not something we'll get a whole lot of, but it still has a little bit of the same overall feel because 
the motivation the motivation has to be brought into question. See, there's a journalist who's issued a formal apology, apologizing for a false report that they brought up, saying that Clarence Thomas, you know, the Supreme Court Justice, had had a meeting with Ron DeSantis, you know, the super mega cool as hell governor of the great state of Florida. Supposedly, they had a meeting before the Dobbs decision was released, and in this apology, uh, quote from there, I am just embarrassed as hell. Well, you know, you should be, considering that this was a lie. Not that it was anything that we were believing anyway, those of us who are smart enough to know better. But uh, a journalist with The Independent issued a profuse apology after he falsely reported a meeting between Supreme Court Justice and Republican Governor the day before the provisional Dobbs decision. <clears throat> well, I should say pivotal, not provisional. Um, and, you know, it was long overdue. Fifty years overdue. But um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, the point is, that overdue or not, this meeting didn't happen. That's the point. Now, the report that was initially put out there said that the Republican governor, Ron DeSantis, had met with Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas just before the court overturned Roe v. Wade. That, of course, was the decision that established federal abortion rights in the United States, something that stood for 50 years, despite having been wrong from the beginning. Now, apparently, Eric Michael Garcia simply misread the dates of the meetings and the decision. Now, that seems simple enough. I mean, mistakes like that do happen. I Quite honestly, it happens more often than you might think. I have it happen frequently, well, you know, not frequently, but more frequently than you might expect when I'm trying to schedule guests. Uh, sometimes we get confused about what a date was or what time uh, on a certain date. Uh, that's why I've kind of started shying away from scheduling guests uh, to have my conversations with them on the same day. Uh, back when we were doing the show uh, live uh, from BTR, uh, and at some point, I do think I'll probably go back to doing live, maybe directly from uh, Spreaker instead of BTR. Uh, I'll have to make that determination. But when we were doing them live, then obviously that timing was important because the guests would come on directly at that point. And so we would occasionally run into situations where we had the wrong times or they had the wrong dates. Uh, that kind of thing happens. So, was Eric Garcia a victim of misreading dates? I, I can see that it's possible. So, so, maybe this is legit. Now, Garcia apologized after DeSantis' Deputy Press Secretary, Jeremy uh, Redfern, called out the error and pointed out the mistake in the dates, which were separated by a year not just one day. And so, okay, 
again, that's probably even a more common error because you see the date. This happened uh, on, well, let's just randomly pick a date. This happened on February 12th. And then if I don't pay close enough attention to the difference between February 12th of 2021 and February 12th, 2022, then yeah, I can see that too. Now, Garcia began a long series of tweets with apologies only four minutes after Redfern sent his rebuke, saying, quote, I am legitimately so sorry. I was not trying to mislead. I am legitimately embarrassed and humiliated. I never wanted to do anything malicious. I am so apologetic. I should have double-checked the dates. Now, all this is the, absolutely the right thing to do. Maybe even just a touch of overkill. But absolutely the correct thing to do. Continuing here, back to quoting. We are taking the article down. I cannot apologize enough. I should have double-checked, triple-checked dates. This was a second tweet. A third tweet. I am mortified mortified that's strong words but i am mortified apologies as uh my screen went dark for a second it makes it difficult to read it directly but uh, that's the explanation for my stalling i uh, i know you guys if you're longtime listeners you probably already had an idea but anyway i am mortified and legitimately embarrassed, I want to thank Jeremy Redfern of Florida for flagging and apologize to Governor DeSantis and Justice Thomas. This is a horrible error on my part. In a fourth tweet, back to quoting, the story is in the process of being retracted. I am just embarrassed as hell. Words cannot describe how mortified I am. I try to be honest in my work. I don't try to do gotcha journalism. I always hated that. I can never apologize enough. Now, it sounds legit. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Now, others pointed out that even if the story had been true, that the meeting would not have proven that Thomas had been politically pressured by DeSantis, to revoke Roe v. Wade, which, of course, was the insinuation of the article, which was still speculative and disingenuous to begin with, reporting the fact that such a meeting occurred uh, might be there. Asking why there would be such a meeting? Okay, legitimate to ask that. But to go beyond that and insinuate that somehow the governor of Florida has the power to influence a sitting Supreme Court justice at the federal level? Well, like I said, that's a bit disingenuous to begin with. So despite the retraction, some left-wing activist accounts continued to amplify the false story. The reporter came out and said, oh, I'm so sorry about this, so that they would not be flagged for dis- or misinformation. See where this is going? They're still getting it out there, but they themselves won't be flagged. Still, based on the apologies, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, that's that's me anyway. I want to believe people. I know I'm just such a weenie like that. 
quoting here from uh, Occupy Democrats. If you support impeaching Justice Clarence Thomas after he was just exposed by leaking emails revealing that he had a shady meeting with MAGA Governor Ron DeSantis the day before the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, please retweet and follow us. Then they also continued with a link to the original story before it was pulled down. So, again, you, you're looking at this. Even after Twitter added a note saying that the story had been retracted, this was still on the original story. On the original tweet, not all the retweets from the original. So was this the plan all along, or is Mr. Garcia legitimately horrified? Again, we're here, and, and I so want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I so do. And this guy, maybe he recognizes, maybe he's one of the few journalists that recognizes why the general public has lost faith and no longer trust mainstream legacy media. While you're more likely to believe me than you are to believe the New York Times. And if he does recognize that, then he knows that he can't be writing stories like that with that huge of an error present so easily debunked, so easily proven incorrect, to be an obvious falsehood, because that is still exactly what's leading to the Democrats being in the trouble they're in going into this midterm. It's the big reason why mainstream legacy media is in the trouble it's in, having difficulty maintaining viewership on their television network broadcasts, and readerships are almost non-existent now in their print media and in their digital print. They understand that the American people are on to the lie. Perhaps. Perhaps I would still believe Mr. Garcia just a little bit more if this hadn't been such a ridiculous, hackish attempt to convince the leftists that are going to be reading his work of some nefarious plot. That somehow ultra-mega-maga people are the ones who took abortion away at the federal level. Maybe if that wasn't the message you were trying to send, I might be able to just full-throatedly, wholeheartedly say, this guy means it. But I'm left having to wonder about your motives. I'm left having to wonder if you just knew that enough people, like Occupy Democrats, were going to see the original and keep it spreading out there long enough that there's going to be plenty of folks that get your message and maybe, just maybe, you were hoping it would take them longer to catch the error. Maybe you did catch it. I hate to sit here and have to say, hmm, I think you're lying. Because I don't want to believe that. I want to believe you when you say you simply made a mistake. Because again, real world, I've seen it happen. I've had it happen to me. I can relate to that. What I can't relate to is being so disingenuous with the article that you were trying to promote in the first place. You can bring up anything that I have written, anything, and 
even if it's something from a long time ago that I no longer believe in, that I have changed my mind on, that I have evolved on. And I will sit here and I will explain to you why I thought that at the time and why I no longer believe that to be the case now. And if that's not good enough for you, then, you know, why did you dig up an article from six, seven, twelve years ago? Why aren't you reading my most recent stuff? Which, oh, by the way, then you can ask me, why is it that my most recent stuff is still several months old at this point? And it's because I'm a busy person and I'm not a paid professional hack. I'm an unpaid amateur hack, but <laughs> that's, that's neither here nor there. The point still stands. You would be a lot easier to believe and to get behind and to be supportive in your effort of journalistic integrity. If it felt like that's what you were trying to do. And looking at the heart of the article you were writing to begin with, that doesn't feel like your intention. Not at that point. So why suddenly finding out that you got a date wrong changes what's in your heart and your mind? Because if that doesn't change there, do you honestly believe that Ron DeSantis is trying to somehow influence Clarence Thomas? And if so, what would he be influencing? The fact that Clarence Thomas wrote a concurrence that was far stronger a far more conservative-based than what the rest of the majority had written? Because if that's what you think, I think you don't know Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas wrote exactly the way he always has and things he said and stated in his belief in U.S. jurisprudence. There is nothing in that concurrence that is any different than the way he has thought and written his entire judicial career. So, I don't know what influence you thought would be going on. Maybe you thought somehow Ron DeSantis would be getting a heads up on what we were about to find out. But then, why would you think that would be necessary? It's not going to affect Florida. So, still, it feels fishy. At best. Anyway, that's going to have to be it for now, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. And, oh yeah, a final message for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. today. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go. Hey. And happy Halloween! Happy Halloween!
take gun control is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Stalin, Hitler, Mao, me, and Pol Pot. They told us things that you never forgot. Is using both hands. Well, I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223. Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family. using both hands let's set the record straight there's no argument over the choice between peace and war but there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace and you can have it in the next second surrender admittedly there's a risk in any course we follow other than this but every lesson in history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is a specter our well-meaning Christian liberal friends, our, our be priests, bishops, and pastors refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives us no choice between peace and war, only between fight and surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we will have to face the final demand, the final ultimatum. And what then? When Satan has told the people of this world, he knows what our answer is going to be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of his cold war. And someday when the time is right to deliver his final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because you see by then we will have been so weakened from within spiritually, morally, economically. He believes this because from our side, he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price or better read than dead. Or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know it and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Ridge have refused to fire the shot heard around the world? 
the martyrs of history were not fools and our beloved dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis mm -hmm. did not die in vain. Where then lies the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all that you and I have the courage to tell our enemies there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond wow. which evil must yeah. not advance. In the words of Jim Reagan, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid.